0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church. So glad to have you with us today. Man, that microphone is just loud today, or maybe it's me, I don't know. Or maybe it just sounds like my my ears sound that way. I thought I was, woo, on top of things. All right, guys, welcome to Crestview Baptist Church. Glad to have you with us today. We are celebrating Independence Day here at Crestview Baptist Church this morning. No, it's not the 4th of July But it is the Sunday before the 4th of July and there is no better time to do it. Uh, Just a few announcements before we get started. Um, If you look at your insert in your bulletin, there are a lot of things going on. We got camp coming up, uh, WMU's coming up, Bible school's coming up, Uh, we got a picnic at the creek again coming up at the end of the month and then breakfast is already in there if you want to help with bible school in any way and i haven't talked to you or you haven't talked to me please reach out to me uh i'm going to start uh late this week i'm going to start cutting cardboard and making castle scenes and uh, putting up signs and things like that and uh, we are going to be in full swing we are just a little less than 20 days away or 21 days away from the start of bible school So I'm excited about that. Um, And this is not in the bulletin as far as kids and youth goes because sometimes I just come up with things at the the last minute. Artie Artie accused me of flying by the seat of my pants the other week. Can you believe that? I don't know where he would get any idea like that from. Uh, But next Sunday, uh, I have decided we are going to, youth and kids, anybody who wants to go, we're going to go skating at Kylie's Skating Ring after church. Uh, $12 if you got it. Uh, that'll cover lunch and skating uh, don't let that stop you from coming if that's a problem adults can come too yeah huh you want to come too you going to come skating yeah adults anybody can come we will load up and we will go to Kylie's skating I want to see you want to skate I'll say come on (laughs) all right if we can raise enough funds we're going to have we're going to we're going to put Artie on skates and roll him out on the floor And see what happens. No, no. All right, he said no. All right, never mind. Scratch that. All right, I think that's it as far as announcements. Oh, oh yes. Uh, Sanders said, "Senior adults, if we can meet up here right after church today uh, to discuss um, something for you guys." Um, Other than that, I'm going to turn it over to Preacher Artie, and I just invite you to worship the Lord and let's focus on Him. There's a lot going on in the world. a lot going on around us. Let's kind of tune all that out and let's focus on God this morning.
1: There are several things that I have done in my past when I was a youth pastor such as shaving my legs, wearing a dress, climbing ladders, and roller skating, all of which I will not do ever again. I did too. That's because you spent too much time falling down. Um, (laughs) But it's okay if you guys want to raise money, but I will not get on skates. And I won't get on ladders because Larry Hammett laughs at me when I get on on the ladder. (laughs) Not that, because I fall off. (laughs) So, um, but it is good to see everybody here this morning. Thank you for being here. We are here, and yes, we are celebrating Independence Day, but we are also celebrating the freedom that we have through Jesus Christ today. So please join me in prayer as we open our service today. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you. And dear Lord, we just come humbly bowing before your throne. Dear Lord, we know that you promise that if two or more are gathered in your name that you will be in the midst of them. And dear Lord, we are here in your name this morning and we know because of your promise that you are here with us. We ask that your spirit move among us this morning, that you rock us to the very foundation, that you shake this building with your power today. Dear Lord, I ask that you have your way with us, that as we we sing our songs that we will remember that the freedom that we have here in our country is because you have blessed us, but it does not compare to the freedom that we have in you. Dear Lord, speak through me today. Speak through the choir today. Speak through Chad today so that when we leave this place, we will know that we have been in the presence of Almighty God. I ask this, In the name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior, and may He receive all the glory for it. Amen. Please stand as our flags come in, please.
2: So good.
3: And at this time, we will worship through our giving of our tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do come today to worship you through our praises and singing, listening with our ears, with our heart, and with our mind, and with our giving to you. So I pray that you will take this gift, bless it, use it to further your kingdom. For it is your holy name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Would you stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, 634-634, my country tis of thee, 634.
0: We're celebrating Independence Day, and but I want us to more importantly celebrate the grace, the grace and the freedom that we have through Jesus Christ and who He is. Kind of like those two dollars. All right. So Sadie had to go and get that dollar, and had to go and get this to earn that dollar. But Braxton, I gave you the dollar just because. Basically, I gave you the dollar because of what she did. that sound fair to you? Sounds fair to you. It should, should sound fair to you, right? Well, look, the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, there is nothing that we can do to earn that freedom. Did you know that? You can't be good enough. You can't be, you can't go to church enough. You can't pray enough. There's nothing you can do to earn Grace, because why? But so, how do we get it? If there's nothing you can do to earn grace, which is the freedom from our sins, how do you get it? Since there's nothing you can do, somebody had to do something. Who do you think did it? Jesus did. He came and he died on the cross and he rose again. He came back from the dead, and death has no power over him. And because of what he did, because of the work he did on the cross, we're all entitled to that grace. All we have to do is accept him and have a relationship with him. Isn't that awesome? Listen, I love this country and I love the Fourth of July, and I love to celebrate the freedoms that we have in this country. But more than that, I love to celebrate the freedom we have in Jesus Christ and what he did for us. We're going to talk a little bit more about our children's church, so we're going to pray my ask God to, to our <clears throat> brother, okay, let's bow our heads. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for each one of these guys and girls. Lord, thank you for the country we live in, and for, for the freedoms we have, but thank you more importantly for Jesus Christ and the freedom from sin that we have for you. All that's I ask in his name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.
1: you choir I am so thankful that we live in a country I am proud to be an American I am proud to be in this country I love our country And the freedom that we have was not free. It has been bought and defended by the blood of men and women across the past couple of centuries. And I am so thankful for that. But I've already said this today. The freedom we have as Americans is nothing compared to the freedom that we get through the cross. Nothing compared to that freedom. And both freedoms are misunderstood. The freedom that we have through being an American, a lot of people think that that freedom gives us the right to do anything that we want to do and nobody can say anything about it. That we can live the way we want to live. We can do the, what we want to do because we have the freedom to do whatever feels right for us to do at the time. Regardless how it affects everybody else. But that's not true. Because there are laws that govern our freedom. It is against the law for me to go run in, go into a crowded theater or a crowded building and yell fire. It is against the law for me to decide I want to play a prank so I call the local school and say, "Hey, I set a bomb in one of the lockers." Just to get the school out early so I can go do something. It's against the law. If I want to walk up to David Lee and punch him square in the nose, just because I feel like it. Guess what? That's called assault. It's against the law. Not to mention the fact that David could kill me with his little finger. I had a teacher in school that always said that your freedom's in where my nose begins. And I have explained this to my son, just because you have the right to do something, doesn't mean that it's right to do. But the freedom that we have through the cross is something that's just as misunderstood. There are preachers standing in pulpits all over the country and all over the world telling us that because of the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, that we have the ability, and because of grace, that we can do whatever it is we want to do. that if i wanted to stay stay up here stand up here and preach and drop the f bomb in a prayer that it's okay because i'm covered in grace i'm here to tell you but according to scripture that's not what the freedom of christ means it is a freedom from sin not freedom to sin just because we can get forgiveness in fact Paul says it this way, what then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Meaning, do we just keep sinning and living a lifestyle of sin so that we can get more and more grace? (laughs) And I love what he says next. God forbid. The arty version of that, are you stupid? That's not the way it works. That's what he's saying there. So, today I want to talk about the work of freedom. Chad said it right. Freedom is not free. There's always a cost to freedom. So, as I mentioned last week, we are going through James on Wednesday nights. So, we're going to look at another passage from James, James chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 12 through 18. So, if you would turn there, <coughs> excuse me. James chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. If you would please stand as I read this in the honor of the reading of God's word, notice how He starts this: So speak and so act as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What use is it, my brethren, and if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and is in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, and be filled, and yet do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith. If it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for what we see James writing in this letter. Dear Lord, speak to us today and bless the reading of Your Word. And it's in the holy and precious name of our living Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So the works of freedom. Look again at James uh, 2.12. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. I say this, I've said this over the last little bit, couple of weeks on Wednesday nights. Why does he refer, or what is he referring to about the law of liberty? It's the freedom that we have through Jesus Christ. It is the Gospel. Why is it called a law? A law becomes a law after in scientific speech, it it, it starts out as a hypothesis. Then it goes through a theory. And then it becomes a law when it's been proven time and time again without fail. Such as the law of aerodynamics. The law of gravity, the law of conservation of matter and energy. You guys have all heard those in school. It has been tested and proven time and time again. Well, the gospel of Jesus Christ has been tested and proven time and time again. So James refers to it as a law the law of liberty, the law of freedom. And he's telling us that we need to act and speak as someone that has been affected by the law of liberty. Someone that will be judged by the law of liberty. What he's doing here is he's very clearly calling us out. That as Christians, as those that claim to be disciples of Jesus Christ, that our actions and our speech should be different and should be affected by the fact that we have freedom in Jesus Christ. I am bothered by what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention right now. Whether or not you agree with what they have voted on or not what i am disturbed about is those that are call themselves christians and pastors who stand in the pulpit and preach the gospel of jesus christ i am upset and i am tore up by what i am seeing posted on facebook And social media, the hatred and the anger from both sides of the issue coming out. What are we telling this lost world? What are we telling? You know, the latest thing, it's been in the news. Every time you turn on the internet, it's all about how Elevation Church has left the Southern Baptist Convention. I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know they were part of the Southern Baptist Convention. But the anger and hatred that is being espoused by those that say they are being judged by the law of liberty, that they are disciples of Jesus Christ, it breaks my heart because the message that we are sending to this lost and dying world is why should you believe what we're teaching because we don't even act like we believe it ourselves. Now, understand, I believe the Bible teaches that if a brother or sister stumbles, we should call each other out. But it lays out how we're supposed to do it, and nowhere does it say to blast them on social media. Or am I reading that wrong? The freedom that we have to have in Christ should affect what we do and say, how we act. We work because we have freedom not to earn freedom. Just as Sadie had to go back to, get to David to get something for Chad to get the dollar and then Braxland just was handed a dollar. We, we, work, to earn, to, we work because of that freedom not to earn it. James, look at verses 17 and 18. Even so, faith... If it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you what my faith by my works. What James is saying here is that my actions are going to prove what I believe. What I do is going to prove to you what I believe. Faith. Saying that we believe Jesus Christ and then living like the world and not showing any kind of change. That faith is only mouth service. It's not affected your life whatsoever. Now here's the kicker. There is no such thing, no matter how bad you want it to be true, doesn't exist. There is no such thing as a Sunday morning Christian only. Well, wait a second, Artie. What do you mean by that? What I am saying... That if you come in and you act like you've got it all together and you're, and the only time you act that way is on Sunday morning, what I'm saying, and I'm making a bold statement, but it's backed up by Scripture, if that's the way you live your life, what I am telling you is that you're not a Christian. Because Scripture says that you can't come before Jesus Christ without walking away a new person. So you can't live your old life six days a week and then come and act like you're the perfect Christian on Sunday because guess what? You're not. There's another thing. There's no such thing as a perfect Christian. Because we're fallible people, but we serve a perfect God. And it's only through Him that we are made perfect. We are nothing on our own. But here in this this verse of 17 and 18, James says that the works of freedom in our lives are very certainly the result of the freedom that we receive through Jesus Christ and not a way to earn it. Look at Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We can't earn it. We can't fight for it. We can't take it. We are not born with it. It doesn't matter how many church rolls your name is on. There's only one book that your name can be written on and it make any difference whatsoever. And that is the Lamb's book of life. If your name is written in that book, you are signed, sealed, and delivered, and you are a child of Jesus Christ. And as a result of becoming a new creature in Jesus Christ, we will do and work for Him. Don't do it to earn it. We do it because we've already got it. And see, we that call ourselves Christians, those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we have been called to, re- to work as a result of that freedom that we have in Christ. We have been called to make disciples. Matthew 28, 19-20 Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. We are commanded to work to make disciples. You know that little two-letter word there? Go. That means that we don't sit still and wait for God to do it. That is an action verb. That means that we have to do something. And He is telling us to go. Get up, get out of the building and do the work of making disciples. Well, how do we make disciples? By living it in front of them. By not just telling them, but showing them what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Teaching them to observe. That word observe means obey. How can they obey the commands unless they know what they are? We have to teach them. And then we are also being commanded, we've been called and gifted to work in the church. Wait a second, Artie. I don't know about that. Not me saying it, it's scripture. Now, watch. 1 Corinthians twelve, four through seven. Now there are variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. And then Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, and He gave Sam to be apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Each one of us that has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Each one of us has been gifted by the Holy Spirit in some area. You have been given a special gift and the, the entirely the only reason for that gifting of the Holy Spirit is to build up the body of Christ, the church, for the common good. I have said this for years. Mel said it before me. God has given us everything that we need to accomplish what He has set before us to accomplish. God is not going to call us to do something without equipping us to be able to do it. We have everything that we need. How do I know that? Because you are here. Each one of you have been gifted by God for a specific purpose. And that purpose is to work. He didn't gift us all the same, He gave us each different gifts. I don't know why He gave me the gift and called me to be a pastor. But I want to tell you something. I have never been happier than when I surrendered to that and started doing what He called me to do. But I also know that He has not called everybody to do this. And not everybody would be comfortable doing this. But I do know that regardless of what ministry it is, God has called you and gifted you to do something for the church. And when I say church, I'm not talking about the four walls. I'm talking about the individuals that are in in the congregation. We are the church. This is just a building. Gifted and called to serve the church. Look at what Paul writes to Timothy. 1 Timothy 3, 14-15. I am writing these things to you hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. He's writing to him so that he would know how someone is supposed to conduct themselves in the church. You see, we are coming to the time of year. Actually, we're not coming to it. We are here. At the time of year where the nominating committee is trying to fill spots in different ministry teams and committees. They had the hardest job of any group in this church. Which is sad. Because they have to go around and beg people to fill Spots. And I'm going to say something a lot of you don't want to hear, but I'm going to tell you the truth. The majority of times, when you plug people into working committees, they're in com- on that committee in name only. They don't do a thing, they don't do a thing. But the typical Baptist church, they will fill committee spots just to have somebody's name in that. And I'll be honest with you. I'd rather have one or two or three people in a committee that's supposed to have seven and those three people actually do something than have a full seven and four of them don't do a thing or don't even show up to a meeting. Because we are commanded to work. We have been gifted to work. So what, is Paul, what else does Paul tell Timothy? Paul tells him, and he outlines the requirements for not only pastors and elders of the church and leaders of the church, but for deacons and for those that take leadership positions in the church and i want you to listen to these this is what because next sunday we start our, we start the process of nominating deacons we have two deacons rolling off and so we have to replace them on the deacon board and we need to understand what it is the requirements not only for the deacons but also for those that we are putting in positions as teachers and, and ministry leaders and, and all these other positions that we have in church, the requirements are no different. Listen to what he says in, in verses one through three of First Timothy 3: 1 through 13. It says, "It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do." An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceful, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household how will, he be, how will he take care of the church of God and not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil? And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued, or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is Christ Jesus. These qualifications can be summed up in four characteristics. And I have preached this before. A leader in the church, a servant leader, must be a committed disciple. They must know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are a child of Jesus Christ. They must prove it by the way they live. Their actions must reflect that they are a committed Christian, a disciple of conviction. They must show a conviction to do what is right in the sight of God. A conviction to live by the words, Not changing the Word of God to make it right what they're doing, but changing what they're doing to match up with the Word of God. They must be a person of conviction. Knowing right from wrong. And regardless if they are standing alone, they're still willing to stand on truth. The servant leader must be a person of competence. A competent disciple. They must be dependable. They must be able to be counted on and depended on. But they also must be competent in dealing with issues of Scripture. It means they must study. They must know the Word of God. They must know that if something comes up, how it falls in line with what God says. And I'm going to tell you something. There is not a committee in this church or a ministry in this church, deacons, building and grounds, everywhere, that does not have to measure up what they have to to do and what is being said compared to what God says in His Word. Every single one of us have to compare that and we have to be confident in doing that. And then the fourth characteristic a disciple of character. A servant leader must be a person of character. That means that they're the same in public as they are in private. They don't do things when no one else is watching that they wouldn't do in public. They are not two faced. They don't put or portray something in one area and then something else in another, but they are a person of character. Church, having said all this, I'm going to say one other thing. The work of freedom in our lives as Christians. A group of believers that are committed to honoring God and being disciples of Jesus Christ should have no problems getting people to work in the church. You hear what I said? A church that is committing to following and obeying the Word of God and growing in Jesus Christ should have no problems getting people to work. Because we as disciples of Jesus Christ should be eager to do whatever we can do to build up the body of Christ for the common good. And if we are a church that is committed to Jesus Christ and wanting to follow Him, the nominating committee would not have the hardest job in the church. Because they wouldn't have to beg people to do what it is God's telling them to do. Church, as we finish this year, we have less than a month now before we have our business meeting, where we're going to vote on the recommendations of the of the. The nominating committee and filling positions in our committees and ministries, some of them for the next three years. We have a month before the two new deacons that we will be electing will be taking office, and the two that are currently serving will be rotating off. Less than two months. And my challenge to you is this. Are you going to be a committed disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you going to be willing to do whatever it is that God has called you to do and work? Or are we going to have to play guilt games? I don't want to guilt anybody into doing anything. I want you to want to do it because Jesus did it all for you. Because of the freedom, the work of freedom in our lives should make us want to do everything possible so that we can build up the church and reach as many people as possible with with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not because we're guilty, because we're guiltless, because we have been forgiven. That's the reason we should want to work. The only time that I feel guilty is when I'm convicted. I remember going through that conviction so strong before I came to know Christ. And I felt the the world was just a weight on me and I felt so weighed down by the guilt of what I had done. And the moment I prayed... To ask Jesus Christ to forgive my sins and come in and become Lord of my life. The moment I prayed that prayer, that weight was gone. The Bible says that, he, that Jesus took my sin and He cast it as far as the east is from the west. You guys realize how far away that is? If you start traveling east at any point will you start going will you start ever go go west You understand what I'm asking If you go north you leave here and you head north Eventually you're going to get to what the north pole You continue past the north pole which direction are you going South You keep going south you eventually get to where? The South Pole. You keep going. Which direction are you then heading? North again. But if I start heading east, and I keep going, and I get on the opposite side, directly on the opposite side of where I'm standing right now, on the opposite side of the globe from where I am now, and I keep going in the same direction, which direction am I still going? East at any point will I ever be heading west? No, not unless I turn around and go back the uh, the way I came. So that's what Jesus says. That our iniquities are cast as far as the east is from the west, they will never meet. Guys, that's the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. That is why we are guiltless because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That is why we work, is because of that freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And now, it's time for you to respond to what God is calling you to do. If He is telling you to do something, do it now. If you need to come and pray, pray. If you need to to stop and, and, and sit down and pray where you are, do that. If you need to go talk to somebody, do that. If you need to know Jesus Christ and you want to know the freedom that can only come through Jesus Christ, please don't leave this place without coming and talking to me. If you want to become part of this congregation and part of our church family, we would love to have you be part of that. But don't leave this place today without taking care of whatever it is God's calling you to do. As we sing this song, listen to what God's telling you.
3: Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, 283, Take My Life and Let It Be.
1: Appreciate it. Don't forget, yes I know Tuesday is the 4th, but we are still having Bible study Wednesday night, 6.30, here in the, in the sanctuary. We'll be continuing our study of James, and the youth and children will be in the youth building, so please come. Also, I'm going to get killed for doing this, but every year, me and my family put on a 4th a of July cookout, and we're doing that this Tuesday night. At our house, um, if you would like to come, please see us, but you're all invited to come um, we 're going to see how fast Terry Pendleton can move because he 's going to light the fireworks and try to get away from them before they blow up <laughs> <laughs> and Trey's going to be doing that too so uh, but we would love to invite you we 're going to uh, start eating at six so if you want to if you want to come just see me and ginger we'll tell you what you need to bring and um, but you're all invited to come and be part of that. I think the most we've had, we've had hundred and something. I think last year we had over like 60 people there last year. Okay, we provide the meat. What I am doing is I, I am uh, doing hamburgers, hot dogs, uh, chicken wings, chicken breast, and I've got some gator meat to, to, to cook up too. Um, but I'm going to tell you, gator meat doubled in price from last year, so I don't have as much as I had last year. But But everything else is what we bring. Bring your chair so you have a place to sit. And we'll be outside and we'll be having a good time. And around dark, we'll start shooting off fireworks. Um, But you're all invited. If you want to come, just just let us know so we make sure that we have enough food. But uh, everybody's invited to come and join us there at our house. And if you don't know where we live, just ask. We're not hard to find. Just look for the big guy. So, but Terry, if you'd come and dismiss us in prayer
3: five minutes
1: seniors up front to meet with Sandra
0: let us pray Lord thank you for the message that we received today Lord and let us all go out each and every day and all be disciples that you asked us to be and be leaders and stuff in our church Lord so we can be a good witness and you know show the people that we have the light that you shine through us and Lord Keep us all safe, even the ones that are not here today that are out sick and stuff or are on vacation. Let them be a witness while they're out and they're gone. Lord, And bless this church and this church family and all that we can come back again and meet with you and fellowship always. In your name, Jesus. Amen.